Hi, I'm Sean O. McCarthy, founding editor of the Comics Comic, found wherever you can type the Comics Comic into your electronic devices. Welcome to Last Things First, the show that asks comedians about the historic lasts and firsts in their lives as their comedy careers have blossomed, from young people's dreams to adult people living those dreams, or still dreaming. Questions both big and small are asked and answered. It's hopefully both amusing and illuminating. Rosebud Baker has two famous names if you know where to look. Her family business isn't exactly Citizen Kane, although if you were paying any attention to politics, then you know the life of stand-up comedy and podcasting about Justin Bieber is a far cry from her grandfather's past as Secretary of State for President George H.W. Bush. Rosebud started out as an actress. She co-starred in the 2010 Sundance reality series Girls Who Like Boys Who Like Boys, and now co-hosts a podcast about Justin Bieber called Two Less Lonely Girls. In between, Rosebud has written for Summy Cards, Eat the Daily, The Frisky, and more, and she's starring in a brand new Amazon Prime series, Inside Jokes, which followed her journey as a new face at the Just for Laughs Comedy Festival in Montreal. So let's get to it! Rosebud Baker, last things first. Uh, how many times have you watched Citizen Kane? Uh... How many times have I tried to watch Citizen Kane would be the question. And countless, countless times. I've fallen asleep every fucking time. Really? Yeah. Am I allowed to curse on this? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Wow. Yeah, I've fallen asleep every time. I, it's not a good movie. Like, I know it's supposed to be like a good movie. Right. I know that technically it's a good movie. But <laughs> technically, technically, it's a if good you movie. talk about movies and making yeah. of movies, if you're it's like supposed a, to be one of the best. Yeah. If you're a film student, it's mm-hmm. a good movie. But if you're just like trying to enjoy a movie, it sucks. So how so whose idea was Rosebud then? Rosebud came Rosebud out of, the baker, not Rosebud. Yeah. The pivotal Rosebud part of Citizen Kane. Was I, I there's different stories in my family. One is that I was called Rosebud because my cheeks are always red. Hmm. Then. Somebody else said that they made up the nickname because... From all the drinking? No, something about mud. About, like, Rosebud rhymes with mud, and I was, like, always covered in mud or Mm -hmm. something. I don't know. But a lot of people in my family take credit for it. Um, All I know is, like, that's just what I've been called. I was called Bud Rosebud my entire childhood. And that's, like, where it came from. Oh, so not on the birth certificate? No. Oh. On the birth certificate, it's... uh, well, it doesn't matter. <laughs> it's not far off. It's Rosemary, but it's like okay. It do, It's so not my name. You know right. what I mean? Like I know right. it's my name, but it's not what I've been called. So no, I get it. Yeah. So I didn't know. Um, there are certain things I know about you that most people don't. Mm-hmm. But one thing I didn't know is that you uh, went to Emerson. Yeah. Yeah. And you were, you were at Emerson when I was uh, living in Boston and working at the Boston Herald. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I was at the Boston Herald 2005-2006. Oh. And so... Holy shit. So yeah. I might have crossed paths with you multiple times because yeah. I lived right in the South End. So yeah. I was just walking... That's crazy. ...through there all the time. Mm-hmm. Did you... But you're from Texas. No, my family is all from Texas. I'm from D.C. Okay. Yeah. Well, right, because you're from political family. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm the first baker, like, born outside of Texas, I think. Interesting. I was the first one, yeah. Okay. So when you decided to go to Emerson, did you go there knowing that it's it's um, reputation for being, like, a show business hub? No, because when I went there, it really didn't have that reputation. Like, it like what it had. They didn't have the Emerson Mafia. It had yet. a reputation for yeah, it did have that, but it was like it 
didn't have a reputation for being anything more than like on a student level Mm -hmm. for being anything more than just like hippies and artists. And that was like, you know, where I I wanted to go there for that. Like I I loved Dennis Leary and I loved like uh, I loved the people that I knew of that had been there. Mm -hmm. Um, I loved that everyone that I liked that went there had dropped out. And like (laughs) a lot of people that I knew, including on a personal level, uh, had like gone there and they were really talented. um, And then they just dropped out and went and just did their thing. And like that's kind of what I wanted to do. But I I what does your family think of that? I mean, they would never have. It would not have flown. Like flown. Why can't I talk? Um, But yeah, there's no way that I would have been able to do that. And like, but did they support you in this going early pursuit of hippiedom? Or were they? they Like, I don't know. know. It's like be part of the family business. And no, I wasn't gonna. I mean, they knew that. They knew from the get go. Like, I wasn't gonna be a lawyer Mm -hmm. or like a politician or like they knew i wasn't going to be any of that because i was a terrible student mm-hmm. um your diplomatic skills were diplomatic skills actually diplomatic sco- skills were not bad like i'm a good liar <laughs> um but i i think that they just knew i wasn't going to do anything that i didn't want to do okay so yeah they kind of just like i don't know if the support is the word but they accepted it you know mm-hmm they they were like, okay, that's who she is. So when you were at Emerson, did you know the other comedians who are now peers? Um, who, were, who were already pursuing comedy when they were at Emerson? I knew them uh, not like very well, mm-hmm. but I knew them just like we were in the same circles. You right. know what I mean? Because I was like the same time as like Joe Mandy and yeah, Joe Oprah. Mandy and uh, and Harris uh, Harris Whittles. And- yeah, yeah, I, I knew Harris. Um, Harris was, like, one of the nicest guys I've ever met in my life. Um, that was a fucking horrible blow. Yeah, no, I saw him at a show. It was actually a naked show mm-hmm. at Improv Boston mm-hmm. when he was still in college. Yeah, yeah there's a lot of naked. Harris Whittle A lot stars. of unnecessary genitalia <laughs> in the Emerson productions, I've noticed. <laughs> there's just so much unnecessary nakedness going on at that school. <laughs> but comedy wasn't the first thought you had there no i was gonna i wanted to be an actor yeah and i pursued acting for uh, i guess like from the time i moved to new york for like 10 years you know close to that and so when you're when your main when your big uh tv credit is girls who like boys who like boys was (laughs) that like oh this is why i got in this is why i got into show business i mean i was like this this is is, you know what's funny is i i did that reality show to pay for a an off-Broadway production that I was producing that I was starring in. And when that reality show came out, I had nowhere to live because I'd spent all of the money <laughs> on this shitty, like, production that I'd done uh, at the Bleecker Street Theater. I think yeah. it was Bleecker Street Theater. Yeah. And it was like, I just, I was just like, well, this does feel like show business. Like, you, <laughs> I was looking at, like, billboards of myself on Christopher Street mm-hmm. and then... Being like, I just lost my apartment. Like, I have to live on my friend's couch. <laughs> Wait, so did you really do the Sundance mm-hmm. series just for Yeah, I did it because production I, money? Yeah, I did it because I was trying to get money to mm-hmm. do what I wanted to do, which was right. theater. I wanted to be, I wanted did to Did they know that? Theater. Um, or did you have to keep that? No, the- they, they knew that. I was trying to, like, 
plug it mm-hmm. through the thing and they wouldn't have any part of that. They were like, no, we don't. We're not interested in that. <laughs> so I was just like, you know, did that make to- you did that make it harder for you on set of that of that series? No, that wasn't even because hard were- to do. Like, it's so easy to do. And it was such a um, it, it was really fun. Like, mm-hmm. I remember doing it and it was really fun at the time. Uh, and it was cool to like, you know, I was like young. I was like looking at billboards of myself and it was even though it was for what it was right. at the time, I didn't care because I was like, you know, in my 20s and just like. This will get me closer. I didn't realize that there's a path that careers take, you know what I mean? And that doing that wasn't necessarily going to lead to the career that I mm-hmm. wanted. So, um, but it did get me, it did pay for that play. And it. Well, uh, I was just going to ask, how, like, how did the play go? The yeah, actual it paid, production? It, it went well. It mm-hmm. was, um, the play got published after we did it. Um, and it was. It was it was really fun, but I shortly after that, I think well, it was like three years after that that I was like, I think I'm done with this acting thing. Like, I think I'm done with it because I I had a bunch of friends who all my friends were actors, and mm-hmm. you know, and listen, like as far as actors go, like three percent of actors are like some of my favorite people I've ever met in my life, right? But the other percentage is just just the the worst just the worst people like they i don't like the way they talk you know what i mean i don't like getting their emails with like 17,000 headshots being like which one shows off my sensitive side i'm like you're smiling a little bit differently in every one of these mm-hmm. it's just like the whole world of it kind of made me a little sick and um and i decided i wanted to quit and i I mean, full disclosure, I was going out with this actor who was, like, just the grossest. And when we broke up, I was like, Ugh, I don't even want to be in this world anymore. And I went uh, – I was like, oh, I'll be a social worker or mm-hmm. I'll be a dog trainer or something. And I spent, like, a year just kind of figuring out what I wanted to do. Um, did you have an apartment then? Yeah. How long did you go – you said you lost your apartment in that earlier process of yeah, doing I, the reality series and putting on the off Broadway production, yeah, it was. How a, did you how did you cope with that period? It was about a year of uh, just staying on a couch, um, on my friend's couch, and the same friend, yeah, the whole time? yeah. That's a yeah. That's got to be something after the first couple. Well, weeks. once I got a job, I was able to like pay him. You know what I mean for right. for rent and stuff. But it took a while for me to like move into my own place. Um, and uh, but that's just part of it, you know what I mean? It didn't feel like it didn't feel hard at all. You got used to it, or yeah, you're and, just. I mean, I and was. Your friend just, got used to just. Oh, yeah, Rosebud, she's on the couch, and yeah, she flips me a, a few hundy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't very tough. It was just. Uh, you what saw, it this was. is part of what being a New York actress is. Yeah, this is the path. Yeah, I mean, for so there's so many years of my living in New York that I was just like delusionally thinking, oh, this is just like rent. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? <laughs> like it was just like I, I just thought that was going to be – I thought poverty and like was part of it, which is such a sign that I come from money, that I think poverty <laughs> is like an adventure. You know what I mean? Right. But um, – I'm a starving artist. Yeah, yeah. It's, isn't this fun? <laughs> um, but like – 
it wasn't too long before I just got my own place. Like I got a job, I got my own place mm-hmm. and it was like, it was fine. You okay. know, and the apartment I was staying in was like really nice. It wasn't like, it wasn't like a shitty place. Mm-hmm. It was in Park Slope. So when did, when did the, the comedy switch turn on? Uh, that, oh God, I mean, was that part of that year of discovering yourself? Yeah, you it was kind of like you were going to be a comedian. Yeah, it was, uh, I was going to be, I wanted to do something that was selfless. I wanted something that was more selfless, which is <laughs> ironic. <laughs> Have uh, you met other comedians? There's literally nothing more self-centered. Um, <laughs> and I've, I've just become everything I hated. But I, uh, yeah, I was mm. like, I called up my friend who was a comic, and I'd always hung out with him. Uh, you know, he would be barking, and I'd bark with him, mm-hmm. and I would like, this was all through the acting years, and I just never even thought like, oh yeah, I, I would do this. You know, I just thought, I like comedians. They're mm-hmm. they're fun to be around, um, and they're easy to talk to. And uh, yeah, I remember I would bark for the lantern and shit before I ever had any intention of. I didn't want stage time. I just was hanging out with my friends. And um, that, that's that actually sounds like an easier way to bark when you don't have any. Oh yeah, when you ever I, and then when I was barking, when I remember, there's no expectations. Yeah, I remember people doing it with me that weren't trying to get on stage like it was like this fun thing and i was like oh i used to be you like i used to think this was fun um it's like my career isn't depending upon how many people i get in right yeah um and it's so funny to like refer to it as a career at that point but yeah (laughs) i uh what was i oh yeah so i called up my friend i was like yeah i'm gonna be a dog trainer or Mm -hmm. like a social worker or something like that and he was like yeah you would be a, like a horrific social worker like you're not a nice person um why were you still drinking at the time no i just am not i i think <laughs> i'm i'm just not like the nicest when it comes to people feeling sorry for themselves i mm-hmm. i i'm repulsed by that there's mm-hmm. nothing more disgusting to me than self-pity so i is that the republican upbringing i don't know if it's that if it's it might just be um I think it's more like being sober, that kind of a, it came from like, because when I first got sober, I Mm. learned that self-pity was like my number one thing. Like Uh. I loved feeling sorry for myself when I was drinking and I was like, um, yeah, that I'm never going to do that again. Like I'm going to, it's more empowering to look at your mistakes and go, this is my fault. Like this is, how did I contribute to this? And Mm. how did I create this? fearless. Yeah. Moral inventory. Right, right. So (laughs) I, uh. So I – when he said that, when he was like, you wouldn't be good at that, I I was like, I think I could be. And he was like, well, if you if you really thought that, you've had a year, like you could have applied for schools and stuff. Like why did, haven't you done it? Yeah. And I was like, oh, that's a good – that's a good question. Um, <laughs> but he was like, you know, you're always sending me like ideas for jokes and stuff. Why don't you just try doing comedy? And I – it was the first time for some reason that he said that that I went, oh, yeah. Like why don't I try that? Um, like for some reason it, it seems like a possibility. Michael Blaustein. He's the one responsible for you getting. Yeah. 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 And he lives in LA now. And, um, you know, I, I, I think it took about two more months before I was willing to try one Mm -hmm. to try an open mic and I wouldn't try it in New York. I was on a cross country trip. My best friend was moving to Arizona Okay, and I was driving with her, uh, just doing a fun, like cross country thing. Sure. And country road trips are the best. Yeah, they're the best. And I stopped in Texas. I stopped in Texas and I did an open mic in Austin. And then I probably did like two minutes, got off the stage, uh, freaked the fuck out, 
like freaked out and was like good I'm, freak out or bad freak out? well i was like i'm never doing that again like okay. i was like it was fun but i'm never doing that again and then i came back to new york and somebody that i'd met randomly who i'd mentioned in passing like i might be trying to do stand up mm-hmm. again um she was like hey i know you were talking about maybe trying stand up i don't know if you ever did but i'm thinking about trying a mic myself would you want to go and i was like sure so we went, we did a mic, and then we just kept doing mics together. May Wilkerson was the comic. Okay. What so, year was this? Uh, this was in, well, five years ago. Okay. Um, so. 2013. Uh, yeah, and then I just didn't stop. I just kept doing stand-up. Like, it was weird. I It was like the second I did it, I just never thought about not doing it again. I never thought about like, oh, let me take a break. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you or, know. Or- what about that social work application I was going to do? Yeah. It was like a compulsion. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was probably like one of the worst, most lost years of my life. Like I was like terrible things had happened that year that I'm not – I don't want to get into. But like it was bad. It was a bad year. And um, I just had no pride left. So Have you ever talked about that stuff on stage? The I, stuff you don't want to talk about right now? Yeah. Yeah. I tell jokes about it. Okay. I tell jokes about it. But um, – but when I talk about it on podcasts, it just becomes a fucking ugh, like an AA qualification, and we're not going to go into that. But like, <laughs> I I promise you, it was uh, it was not a good year. Spoiler alert: my podcast is a qualification. <laughs> we're in the what we're in the what happened part. It was it was uh, bad. It was what bad. happened to make you a comedian? It was bad. It was mm-hmm. it was a terrible. It was like a really. I mean, sh- long story short, it was like an abusive relationship. Got mm-hmm. out of that was like having nightmares that this guy was going to show up in my apartment in the middle of the night. Like it was, you know, uh, for a sober person, I was like, I really fucked this up. Like, how did I, how did I get here? How did I do this sober? Yeah. How did I make these bad decisions? Exactly. Um, and I think by the end of it, I was just like, well, I, I can't make things worse <laughs> than, than they are. Uh, so I just, and comedy seemed to help me. It, it made it feel better. Like it made it, um, you know, it, it was years before I turned anything into, before I turned that story into anything resembling a joke. Mm-hmm. But, uh, it, you know, I felt like when I got into it, I was like, I'm going to make this period of my life something that I, that serves a purpose, you know? One of the things that, that I remember I said when I, when I used to do comedy on stage on purpose mm-hmm. um, is I always compared it to like a high that I could never find anywhere else. And, yeah. And it wasn't until after I dealt with like my other like real addictions and I was like, Oh, it's just like another addiction Yeah, like, that you're chasing that laugh. Yeah. That, yeah. It's a real that um, love or Right. Or Whatever it is. as love. I mean, the audience gives you that just you can't find. Yeah. Anywhere else. else. It's really like a. Uh, as someone in recovery, do you like how do you. Do you process it that differently? Um, no. Because you described it as a, as the comedy as a compulsion. Yeah, it, it definitely was in the beginning. But it's not, in the beginning, it right. was. I feel like once I learned how joke writing works and once i got into how comedy works Mm -hmm. then it became a craft then it became something where i really became passionate about how to create a joke out of 
um, out of something that might not even be funny at first, like something that strikes me as funny, but how do I make somebody else see this as funny when it's dark and when it's like really personal, you know? Um, So I got into, I got into that part of it and now I feel like I'm starting to get into a different, now I'm starting to kind of loosen up a little bit. Like I'm trying to get more comfortable physically on stage. I'm trying to uh, let people in Um, because the first couple of years I was just like trying to show people that I'm funny and now I'm trying to like incorporate that into just like letting them in and seeing who I am, Yeah, you know, because there's a lot of funny people, but when they walk off the stage, you, do you really know who they are, you know? And I want people to know who I am. POV there. They always talk about. Right. What's your point of view? Right. Um, how, how soon into doing comedy did you first hear about new faces? Uh, I that heard, was a thing. Well, I heard about New Faces before I even got into comedy. Okay. I heard about it when I was, God, uh, probably when I was like barking with my friend outside. I remember people talking about JFL, mm-hmm. New Faces. Um, and then I, my first year of doing comedy, I, I learned what it was and that it was like this big deal. And I didn't quite understand why people were so fucking worked up about it. Like I was like what is this? Like, right. why are people so, like, they're like flipping out about this shit. Um, and when did you start? <laughs> I mean. Or did you ever flip out about it? I felt like I really started being scared when I, uh, when I got there. That was when I really went, oh, shit. <laughs> um, but. Oh, you mean, uh, we're talking about, JFL just for laughs, the yeah. comedy festival in Montreal. New Faces is the the um, kind of like coming out party, right? The debutante the, ball, the debutante ball for, in, for stand-up for comedians. my people. Yes. <laughs> um, so it wasn't until you actually got accepted that you realized what a big deal it was. Yeah, I think when I got accepted, I just went, "Oh shit!" You know, like, what does this mean? How do I make this count? Mm-hmm. What do, you know, because. At first, you're just like, I just want to get in. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I, I just want to get into new faces. And then um, when you're there, you're like, you see how people are freaking out and you go, oh, I, well, I guess I should be terrified. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Because everyone else is. Of course, the year this year getting new faces for you is completely different because there were camera crews. Yeah, there were camera crews, and it was my first year auditioning. Like, I've never auditioned. You didn't audition before? Mm-mm. Mm-mm. I know. How does that happen? I know. It was, uh, well, I was pretty don't much. Most, don't most comedians talk about auditioning multiple years and doing callbacks? and. Yeah, I never, uh, I sent in a tape last year. It was the first year that I'd sent in a tape. Okay. Um, and then didn't, you know, didn't get mm-hmm. chosen for that, but. You know, once I – I feel like I was ready, you know. I felt like – I mean I'm sure there's like aspects to why they choose who they choose I, that I can't understand and that I won't understand. But sure. um, as far as like what I can control in the equation, mm-hmm. I feel like I was ready. I had a good set, you know, that showed who I am and what my what my point of view was. And um, I think – 
I don't know. I, I don't know. It just felt like I remember going into the callback and being like, I, I'm going to get this. I don't know why. I just felt like I'm going to get this. And I, it feels embarrassing to say that, but it, that's how I felt. I mean, you need to have a certain amount of self-confidence. I mean, yeah. Um, and you've it, been doing it for five years, so it's not like you're yeah. someone in their first or second year auditioning thinking they're entitled to it. Right. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't – yeah, and it wasn't a sense of like I'd better get this mm-hmm. or anything like that. It just felt like this kind of thing that I knew in my gut. I was like, I'm going to get this. Did did having the previous experience with Sundance and then just your background as an actress, did that help you process what was happening around you with the camera crews mm-hmm. following you around and doing interviews while you're auditioning and that having part, you like come off stage and go, Rosebud, how do you think that went? Yeah, I mean... That, I mean no, <laughs> tell that, no, tell that to the camera again. We didn't really yeah, get yeah. that the first time. Well, you've seen it, yeah? Uh, I've actually, uh, I need to watch the screeners again. Okay, okay. Yeah. So I... But it, but it comes out November 30th. Yeah, it comes out November Prime. 30th. Uh, How many episodes total? Six episodes. Okay. Um, I definitely, I don't know how well I handled that. Like, there were definitely times when I got off stage and they'd ask me how I felt. And I was like, if you guys ask me how I feel again, I'm going to throw the camera across the street. <laughs> like, I, I would look directly mm-hmm. at them and be like, I'm going to kick that thing out of your hands. Um, so I don't know how well I handled it, but I, I think that doing that Sundance thing um, made me realize that, like, you can't lose being yourself. You you can't lose. Like, even if uh, even if you come off as, like, a bad guy, if you're on TV and you're, like, you know, people are like, oh, she's kind of bitchy. Like, you're still who you are. And that's... Uh, yeah, that was, that was kind of, that kind of informed the way that I felt when I was on camera. I was just like, I'm just going to say whatever the fuck I would say to my friend or to my sister and see what happens, Mm -hmm. you know? And a lot of it, the first like two weeks, I was really concerned about like how I was going to come off and what I was going to, what, how they were going to edit and how they were. And then I realized I was like, there's literally none of that that I can even fucking control. So All I really the way they're going to edit. Yeah. So all I need to focus on is just like getting to new faces. And, you know, once I zeroed in on that, I was like, okay, everything else is going to be how it is. Now, I'm sure you have plenty of friends who've done new faces before and probably tried to prep you on it. But going there with a camera crew, knowing that it's all being filmed, how much extra pressure did that put? Um, an immense amount of pressure. I mean, when I... I mean, I talked to you, like, imme- not I mean, but I talked to you the night you did your first showcase. Yeah. But that's not on camera. Yeah. But... Yeah. I mean, you but saw But knowing me, that you, was... were, you, were, you were on camera on stage, but then you were probably on camera, and then you got to talk to me. But yeah. what... Like, how... What effect <laughs> does that have on you, knowing that... Well, I felt this is like the biggest break of your career, but then it's also being filmed, which could, that could be the biggest break of your career. And like, well, it was interesting. I used to have this real uh, superstition that filming any of my sets was going to make me bomb. Uh, and I really had to get over that. Like, right. Yeah. Uh, and I bombed. I bombed <laughs> during the be... filming of this documentary so many times mm-hmm. that it basically became like I was like, oh, well, it's not the first time I bombed on camera. Mm-hmm. So it kind of became that. But when it was like the actual showcase, mm-hmm. like the new faces showcase, I was like, 
bombing is not a fucking option. Like I was like, that's not okay. I, I, it's not an option. It's, it can't be, it can't happen. That's so not, that's not how your plot is going to, your narrative is going to Yeah, I was like, it's run just, on the show. I don't give a fuck if I forget my entire set, I'm going to do a set mm-hmm. and I'm not like, it was mainly like fighting uh, my own fears and my own neuroses and being like, just phys- just checking in physically with myself and being like, am I relaxed? Because if I'm relaxed, then I know that even if I start bombing, I can make it work. But if I'm stiff on stage and I'm like, this all has to be perfect, then I'm fucked. <laughs> then I'm absolutely fucked. Um, so it was it was that, you know, and I was also like, <laughs> I was also like, there is a chance that I could, I guess I could bomb. I could bomb and it could be filmed and everybody could watch me bomb for as long as they want forever. <laughs> and that could be the end. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was like, and if it is, then uh, something else is going to, I'll do something else. Right. You know what I mean? It's not like my life would be over. Like, I do think that there's some kind of uh, divine thing that happens. You know what I mean? And that we kind of create our own lives so if i had bombed on on stage mm-hmm. at new faces i you know i don't know what it would look like after that but i was was that part of your reasoning for starting a justin bieber podcast <laughs> in 2018 you say that like as if there was any reasoning behind <laughs> me starting a justin bieber podcast well the timing seemed seemed weird um of what it, of 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 getting into the discography and life of Justin Bieber in 2018. It seemed like the world had kind of moved on and was like, well, yeah, he's a great, he was a great teen artist, YouTube star. And, <laughs> and then he got into trouble and then he made fun of himself in the roast. And it, it's like, okay, everything's better. And then he's got another hit album. Yeah. But it seemed like the, um, the zeitgeist yeah. had moved on, which, which I guess makes it, so why do so why start two less lonely girls when you did was it was part of it because well no matter what happens with new faces I'm going to be doing this podcast with Corinne and that's going to be fun and no matter what happens I've got this oh like as a backup plan um, or, I guess what was the reasoning behind well starting I started it, it before I got into new faces okay um, and before I'd even gotten into the documentary. So mm-hmm. we had started that podcast long before we launched it. Oh, okay. Um, but it wasn't like – well, not too long before, but mm-hmm. it was it was around the same time. So I see where, where the question is yeah. coming from. But I'm like <laughs> – it was really the only reason why I started that podcast was mainly because I was like, if I ever do a podcast, I'm going to do a podcast about something ridiculous. Okay. And if I'm going to do a podcast, I'm going to do a podcast with somebody that's already – successful at podcasting because right. i was like and corinne had guys we fucked which yeah. is which is a huge right smash hit podcast right so i was like you know i feel like she has first of all she's such a genius with podcasting mm-hmm. like she's so smart about how she does it and has taught me so much about just by working with her about like how you should do things um and because she's such a smart businesswoman. Like, Corinne is a genius businesswoman. And um, I always tell her this. I'm just like, you could be running the world. Like, I, <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, but I think that for her, I think she wanted to do a podcast that was a little bit less like 
serious, mm-hmm. you know, a little bit about something that she could just kind of like joke around about. Okay. But we both genuinely love Justin Bieber. And we were like, what do we have here? What do we have in common here? Mm-hmm. And we're both obsessed with Justin Bieber. And <laughs> yeah, everybody's over it. But like, that's kind of the idea behind it is right. like, you guys might be over it, but we love him. Mm-hmm. And and now it's starting to become more about like celebrity worship and how we how we think of celebrities as like these uh, infallible incredible people and then Mm -hmm. they they make a mistake and we're like shocked that they're human you know um or we just like lead them to the we like worship them and then lead them to the slaughter like it's an interesting thing in our society that we do and uh i think for two people trying to make it in the entertainment industry it's just like an interesting topic to cover no it's it is very interesting well and plus you got to meet uh justin's bride before Mm mm-hmm before it happened. Of course, I knew that they were going to be married. Oh, well, yeah. Yeah. And it's... I told them that when I met them. But <laughs> Were you invited to the wedding? Sadly, no one was because it was at City Hall. But I'm hoping that they have a party and mm-hmm. that we can crash it. Okay, cool. That's the idea. Um, <laughs> do, you, do you feel uh, like celebrity worship, especially as someone who's striving to become one, that's such an interesting meta not a process to go through, but also you have the added aspect of your grandfather is, mm-hmm. was a celebrity. Uh, I mean, as much as being White House Chief of Staff and Secretary of State can be a, well, it's like like Roger, a famous person. Roger Stone says that, uh, you know, um, the Washington, Stone? yeah, Washington <laughs> is uh, Hollywood for ugly people. Mm-hmm. And so, and I kind of agree with that. Like, I don't think they're really that different. Your grandfather's not ugly. No, but he's not, you know, mm-hmm. he's not Hollywood. Mm-hmm. He's not like, so, and I think of comedy a little bit like that. Like, comedy is like, uh, you know, we're like trying to be celebrities, but we're not, right, we're the, not pretty enough. The outcasts. You yeah, know what like, I mean? That's, what, that's um, why it is always weird when someone who is like handsome or gorgeous does stand up. It seems something's off. Well, something's definitely off. I mean, we've been talking now for a while. And uh, yeah, something is definitely off. But Right, because I, you're gorgeous and I'm handsome. Listen, and yet we're, we're th- sitting here on my Things have gone wrong. <laughs> something went off Things the have really uh, not worked out for the best. <laughs> but I think that, um, you know, I don't know. I don't know what... I guess when I got... Actually, when I got to Montreal, I remember thinking like, I didn't want to get into politics. I, I never took any interest in politics. And then I got to Montreal and I was like, oh, I'm in politics. Yeah. Like, that's what this is, you know? There's so much politics. I was like, I'm doing exactly what <laughs> my family does. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's uh, it's interesting. It's a weird it's a weird thing when you grow up and your life is totally different, but you realize you are your parents or your grandparents. Right. But or, when you talk about celebrity worship and people not really understanding who the person is, I'm sure you probably grew up with that because you just saw your grandfather as your grandfather and everybody else had these preconceived notions. Um, on one level, yeah, I just saw him as my grandfather. But on another level, uh, he was this like larger-than-life figure. Mm-hmm. So... And I did notice that, like, within my family, everyone was very concerned with his approval. And I didn't know why. I didn't know what he was – like, what he was. I just mm-hmm. knew that he was a bigger deal than the rest of us. Like, 
And so, you know, yeah, he was just my grandfather, but he was also – he was still a celebrity in my house. You know what I mean? Like right. I, I still to this day, like if I want to reach my grandfather, I generally reach out to his secretary. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So it's – that's the difference between – it's not like – I was going down the street to hang out with my granddad. Like, (laughs) you know what I mean? It wasn't like that. Yeah. So, yeah. um, Okay, so we're at the point, um, what it's like now. Mm, What it's like now. (laughs) Yeah, bring it on home with the two minutes of solution. (laughs) (laughs) There is no solution. There is no solution? Um, You're you're supposed to pass it on for the beginner. I'm trapped. For the Uh, beginner. Right. The beginner in comedy who uh, is like... Am I in the right place? Is Why? that really what I'm trying to do right now? Or do I really have to give? No, no. Okay, that's just that's just the the secret the secret um, uh, ingredient of my podcast is right. that it is sort of a qualification, right? Yeah. So um, what is so like? So yeah, we usually close with like some sort of advice or like for that that misbegotten fool <laughs> who's <laughs> listening, hoping for some morsel of like experience strength and hope like this is the hope part like what what would you say to that, um, that what would you say to that person who's who's in who's just somewhere in their year of discovering themselves right you, know, you took that year yeah to figure it out and came out the other end as a yeah i would say comedian. just like uh you know you don't you don't really have to do anything mm-hmm. because you'll be driven to do the things that you are meant to do like you'll want to do them so i think that it's i also am somebody i always have a hard time giving advice because mm-hmm. i feel like there's nothing that i can say that could help anyone you know what i mean i i don't i i really don't i think that i guess that's why you didn't go into social work yeah yeah, I really, I feel like... You think um, it's because you were mean, but it's really, you just didn't have anything to say. Yeah, I don't have, there's nothing I can do to help these people, you know? <laughs> <laughs> it's, you know what I mean? It's, mm. uh... You're not going to be anyone's comedy sponsor? Oh, God, woof. No, <laughs> no. And you know what? I've had people, you know, not people, I don't want to mm-hmm. make it like there's a lot of people, but like, it's happened to me where people have reached out and, um... Uh, tried to get something from me that mm-hmm. I feel that they could be giving to themselves if they, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. uh, just some sense of like, like asking me questions about things that I'm like, you could figure this fucking out. You <laughs> yeah. can figure it out. Mm-hmm. Anything that you're doing in those first two years is right. like, you're you're going to fuck it all up anyway. You know what I mean? You're going to learn exactly like what you're not supposed to do. And that's how you that's how you learn it is by fucking it up. Like that's – I feel like comedy is a lot like chess in that way. Like you can't get good at it by not sucking and that's – you know. And I still feel like I look at my my act – you know, the last three weeks I've been looking at my act and I'm just like I hate everything I've written. I hate – my whole act, everything that I did at Montreal, like I, I'm looking at these, the promos are coming out mm-hmm. for Amazon and I'm going, oh, I fucking hate that joke. Like I just, you know what I mean? So all of it is just like you just keep pushing forward. You keep asking. If something doesn't feel right, you leave it aside for a second. It doesn't suck. You're just like sick of it and you just need to write new shit. And so I just keep 
trying to get better however I can. I mean, recently, I'm starting to talk about my granddad on stage for the first time. That's like more personal than anything yeah. I've done. Um, you know, I had to put my dog down two, two weeks ago and my dog was the most important I'm going to say person to me. I yeah. like honestly, like people, uh, it doesn't feel like I've been grieving a human. It feels like I, it doesn't feel like I've been grieving a dog. It feels like I've been grieving my friend, you know? And she died really suddenly and um, obviously because I had to put her down. But uh, <laughs> she died, it, it came up really suddenly. Like she yeah. had seizures and I was like, so I'm talking about that on stage and kind of walking that line between like, you know, is this, Am I just bumming everybody out? Like, you know what I mean? Like, I'm bombing and going, did I just take comedy from them? Did I, like, <laughs> like did I just walk into that room and literally take comedy away from every single person in, in there and walk home? You know? Uh, but that's part of the process, yeah. you know? Well, Rosebud, I'm, I'm uh, proud to say that I've never seen you bomb. Oh, thank you. And thank that, you so much. And that you've always been a joy to be around. Oh. Including right now. Oh, my God. Thanks. Thank you so much. You're the first person who's ever said that. <laughs> <laughs> there are many more. <laughs> Get ready for your celebrity worship. <laughs> right, 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 right. Thank you so much. <laughs> thanks. This episode of the Comics Comic Presents Last Things First was produced by Alex Brazell at Showbiz Studios. The music by Camille Harris and Shockwave, logo by Gigglechick. Please check out my website, thecomicscomic.com, for more interviews, reviews, and comedy news. Become a paid subscriber at patreon.com. I'm your host, Sean McCarthy. Thanks for listening. Last things first. Last things first.